to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo. Joining me today, as always, is the one, the only, Randy Darsh. Hello, everybody. I'm excited for this episode for obvious reasons. Really? I, I, I can't think of any reasons. Why would that be? Uh, you can't think of any? No, I, that's interesting. Well, I speak in particular. Um, you know, as an old SEC fan, I'm so happy that the SEC is in the championship game, right? Oh, my God. Are, are we? Okay, yeah. so a, a bit of a disclaimer here. It seems to me <laughs> as though we're going to have some debates. This might get kind of heated. Um, we uh, we did share some notes, a little bit of notes back and forth. And um, I can just tell that we're going to clash a little bit. But a that's little okay. Bit. A little bit. We're here to talk it out and talk out our differences. So, yeah, we, we basically want to talk about all things bowl season, playoffs-related, national championship obviously coming up here. Um, just kind of recapping what's been going on this crazy, hectic uh, bowl season. And I guess to kick it off, Randy, first of all, congratulations on making yet another national title. Um, how does it feel? It feels really good. Um, you know, it was weird because this whole season with the loss to A&M, with how bad our team, I don't want to say bad, but how not up to standard our team looked at certain points. You know, this we really had chalked this up to a rebuilding year. Right? At one point in the season, we had pretty much accepted that, you know, this is not going to be it. We're not going to be able to pull it together. And that's okay. It's a young team. We'll gear up for next year. Rest in peace to being the only to having the chance to be the only team to ever three peat in the modern era, et cetera, et cetera. But here we are. But, here we are. But I mean, that's what made, honestly that makes it more special than other title years to see a struggling for our standards team kind of pull it together. That kind of it's kind of fun to be. I know we're never really the underdog, but if we're ev- if we were ever an underdog in any year, it was this year. Mm-hmm. Just given the context of everything that happened, so it kind of it's kind of cool to be in that position and to see us win it. It's all relative, I guess, to an extent. Yeah, um, but I mean that said, I, I I will say having seen both you know Bama and Georgia play this last weekend, um, I everyone's saying that Bama is the underdog. I don't know if I quite believe that. I, I think a lot of it comes down to their performance against Cincy versus Georgia's performance against Michigan. Uh, Georgia obviously dominated Michigan from start to finish, whereas though Bama won by quite a bit, it didn't feel quite as complete of a victory, or rather as as dominating, I guess you could say. We, I'll say our victory versus Cincinnati was very much, is a crockpot victory, where we slowly just kind of suffocate them to death, yep. and they never like, I don't, I'm not going to say they were completely ever out of the game, but were they, they were never really in the game either. Right, right. They just kind of kept them at a safe distance from us, score-wise, and we're able to kind of put the lockdown, especially on, on defense. Our defense locked oh, yeah. down their offense pretty Good well. Good lord. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I thought Cincinnati would at least put up some points, just because they have a relatively high-flying offense, but... I mean, Bama, dude, I think there were, what, like, eight, like, knocked down passes or something like that in that game? Like, it was Yeah, it was so nutty. I think their offensive linemen are kind of short. They couldn't, like... Okay, so that's the thing with Cincinnati is they have actually a very talented team. I was impressed with how physical they were able to be and how they were mostly able to keep it up through the whole game. Mm-hmm. It was mostly their speed that was lacking, and that's why the receivers couldn't get a lot of separation, even yeah, when Desmond had time to throw. Yeah, I mean, just group of five speed versus power five speed, and that really was a difference maker. Mm-hmm. I was actually impressed with how well their lines held up in the trenches. I mean, I would say we did better in the trenches, mm-hmm. but we should have done better than we did against them, given the size differential. Because, sure. I mean, that that's that's really the, the gist of it is, I mean, our players are two to three inches taller, 30 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. but they managed to hold up. They didn't just completely fold, so I respected them for that. And I do feel like 
I mean, all the respect in the world to Cincinnati because they definitely did better against us than I think anybody else would have. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think like it's it's unfortunate for them that like the first you know G five team to ever play in the playoffs has to face Alabama. <laughs> you know, like that's it's you're because everyone loses to Bama. Frankly, I mean, playoff Bama is a whole nother beast. And uh, I, I would have liked to have seen like Cincy match up against Michigan. To be honest, I think that could have been a pretty good game. Hell, I think they honestly could have done a decent job against Georgia even. But I think just with with Bama, the the way they played, it's just. They just shut down their their offense entirely, and it was it was frustrating to watch because you just wa- I, I wanted Cincy to do something, right? And they did, they just couldn't get anything going that entire game. It felt like. Yeah, and I actually had this weird feeling while watching the Michigan versus Georgia game that like that Michigan versus Georgia game did more for the group of five as as far as respect goes than yeah. any other game the group of five has actually even played in because I feel like people saw what Cincy did versus the favorite yeah. versus what Michigan did versus Georgia. And then compared the Alabama Georgia score and we're like, Oh, Hey, you know, they did maybe just Cincinnati well, is yeah. actually legitimate. They, Cincinnati could have probably done better against Georgia at least. Well, that's the thing. I, I, my big prediction for this bowl season, if you recall, Randy was that Bama would beat Cincy, but Cincy would keep it closer than the winner of Georgia, Michigan. And I, I know that still sounds kind of crazy because it was a 21 point difference that, that Bama beat Cincy by, but Bama beat Georgia by 21 points as well. It was the same margin in, in the SEC championship game. So, I mean, that tells me that Cincy, you know, at a minimum played about as well as Georgia. Obviously didn't put up as many points, but also, you know, held Bama's offense to fewer. So, it, in my mind, they absolutely deserve to be there. It's just <laughs> tough luck you faced Bama. Like, this would happen to anybody. <laughs> you know? Well, the thing is, I will say, Cincy actually matches up very well against us. I mean, for... for... For what they are, they it's an, it's a very good matchup for Cincinnati versus Alabama just because of how good their corners are, their secondary is. They have two yeah. first round picks at cornerback. Really? So I mean, yeah, we had a we had trouble really getting some open receivers and open plays. So what we did was we just ran it down their throat with Brian Robinson. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly feel like I'm I I don't know if we're gonna really get into playoff expansion talk, but I do feel like it's not even necessarily expansion that's the issue. It's that. Whenever you have these semifinals games with a month to prepare, yep. the team with the talent advantage is going to be disproportionately advantage. Yeah, they'll have the advantage. Yeah, yeah, okay. and That's with a really month good to point. prepare, I haven't really thought about that because I mean, like I, you know, like most teams that play Bama, right? They're giving Bama their absolute best shot, like A and M this year, right? Giving Bama their absolute best shot. You know, Jimbo Fisher was preparing for that game all season long, and for Bama, that's just another week, right? Like, they don't have a month repair for this. They're not focusing in on Texas A&M for some arbitrary reason, right? And so, like, I, I think that's how it, you know, an upset like that happens in the regular season. But like you said, once you're in playoffs mode, dude, like, Nick Saban and his army of assistants who are just endlessly looking at tape at Cincinnati and Georgia and Michigan, you know, like, they have such a huge advantage and they really let their, their talent gap show in, in my mind. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Yeah, I think I mean I think playoffs expansion would be very interesting to talk about. It's just we have to wait until what twenty twenty five before we can even consider it. <sighs> yeah, it's crazy. It's hard. To, we, we we talked about it a lot on the podcast, so yeah, it's, it's just we'll, one of those we'll talk things. about it at some point. But anyways, I will say this year has actually been a fairly it's been an interesting bowl season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with thirteen out of fourteen SEC teams making a bowl, which I get is part is because we play eight eight conference games and not nine. 
regardless, you have 13 out of 14 SEC teams. So the second worst SEC team is playing in bowl games. Um, and it's just been an interesting bowl season with all the COVID stuff going on, bowls getting canceled, bowls getting new opponents, Rutgers getting a bowl game for the yep. first time in ages. Yep. One of the there was two teams from the Barstool Bowl go straight up playing in a new bowl game, but playing the same team <laughs> yeah. for a higher payout. That was pretty funny. It was. It was. It's just been a really interesting bowl season. Do you have any bowl games that you really stood out to you? Uh, a handful of them. Um, uh, a few of my favorites. I, I will say, actually, just recently, the Rose Bowl game, Ohio State versus Utah, though I was definitely cheering for Utah and wanted them to win, that, that game really stood out to me as the most exciting. Um, there was that brief period in the second quarter where, like, literally in the span of two minutes of game time, there were, like, 28 points combined scored, um, which is just nutty. The, the whole game was very back and forth, though Utah had the lead for the most part. You know, Ohio State was inching back and obviously won it on that last-minute drive. Uh, to me, I mean, it's the Rose Bowl, Grand Native Mall. It, it, that was the best game of the year in my mind, even though I'm, I am genuinely sad that Utah lost that one. I found the Kentucky-Iowa game also very interesting. It played out almost exactly like you would expect. Yep. But it was just <laughs> fun to see it in action. Well, it, ended on, it ended in the most Iowa, Iowa yeah. way ever, which was a game-ending interception. Yeah, it just it felt like after, you know, once Kentucky scored that massive, like, 50-yard touchdown to take the lead, it was like, Iowa's going to blow it. They're going to have a chance to blow it. <laughs> I do want to give a shout-out to Wisconsin and Arizona State. I remember hey. messaging you during the game. First of all, Wisconsin scored zero points in the second half and still won. It's true. It's a very Wisconsin thing to do. And I remember, like, you got the ball back with 11 minutes to go, and yep. I'm like, it's physically impossible for you to lose this game. <laughs> and you got mad at me for jinxing you. But then you literally held on to the ball for the last 11 minutes and yep. did not give it back. And didn't score. Classic Badger ball. It's, it was a game-winning drive that ended without any points, uh, which is peak Wisconsin in my mind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, there were definitely a handful of games. I'll, I'll, I'll count to your SEC over Big Ten with a, a Big Ten over SEC. Purdue-Tennessee was a bit of a banger. I mean, that was an extremely high-scoring affair. Final score, 48-45 to after overtime. I know it had a controversial ending with, uh, with Tennessee, but... Uh, to, to me, man, bowl season is all about like exciting matchups where you know you have two very evenly, evenly facing teams um, that you know obviously you want to result in very back and forth, very tight games. And, and to me, Tennessee Purdue fit that to a T. I mean, that was an extremely exciting and very even matchup. That was a great game. And I mean, at the end of the day, while the controversy kind of sucks, I mean, personally, I feel like it should have been called a touchdown. But hey. It's it's a bowl game, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect like conference championship or any. It doesn't really affect anything that happens, you know. I I, I get that, but it means a lot to us and, uh, people not in the playoffs still, Randy. Got to keep that in mind. One game that I feel was overlooked because of the whole Kenny and Kenny not being in it was Pittsburgh versus Michigan State. Yes, it was twenty-one to ten. Yeah, Pittsburgh was winning twenty-one to ten going into the fourth quarter, but Michigan State scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come back and win, including a pick six. Crazy pick six there. Um, yeah, that was a good one, surprisingly. I think um, I, I would have loved to have still seen the game with Kenny Pickett in there as well as Kenneth Frodker, uh, but we somehow still <clears throat> ended up with a decent game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that said, overall, I'd say this is actually a, a pretty solid bowl season. Even from the start, I mean, there were a handful of pretty solid, you know, G5 matchups. If you recall, Coastal Carolina beat Northern Illinois 47-41 to in a shootout. Uh, UA, UAB hung good. on to beat BYU. That was a pretty big upset, thirty-one to twenty-eight. There were actually quite a few like just just close games this year, which I, which is really what I want more than anything. I don't even mind if it's two G five teams playing. 
right? Like football is football, and I just want a good game at the end of the day. If football, if college football is on, I'm going to at least have it on in the background while exactly. I'm doing something else, even if it's not the highest profile game. Exactly. I thought it was kind of funny that I remember the SEC started out, our bowl record started 0 and 5. Oh, and now, right now, it's 5 and 6. And if LSU wins tomorrow, it could end up being 7 to 7, which is 0.500, which I don't think anybody could have expected. Really, after starting 0 and 5, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, to be fair, did anyone expect the SEC to finish 7 7 before they started out so poorly? I mean, I mean, here's the probably, thing. Here's the I thing. don't know. It's it's at the end of the day, I, I get it. like the narrative is going to be uh, the SEC rallied back, but at the end of the day, it's still a 500 record, uh, which to me, I, I you know, I'll say it, not insanely impressive. I mean, it's not exactly bad either. It's, just, it's not bad. I mean, it's literally five bowl season. It's bowl season. And theoretically, there should be even matchups, which I mean, that's just the bowl season working as intended uh, in my mind. I will say, with Alabama and Georgia being so elite at the top, it kind of pushes some of the lower-tier SEC teams into higher-tier matchups. Like, I mean, you do have the number three SEC team playing the Big 12 champion, Baylor. You have the 11th-place SEC team playing that AAC runner-up in Houston. You have the 12th-place SEC team in LSU playing the fifth team in the Big 12, which is Kansas State. And I mean, like, it, it's just bound to happen. You're bound to get some losses here and there. It, it is what it is. It's just, uh, I, I will say, and I, I'm certainly partially responsible for this. It feels like this bull season was maybe a little bit more toxic than normal. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder if, like, COVID's played a role. Because this is really the first legit bull season we've had in two years. I know there were bulls last year, but even more were canceled back then. And it was kind of more uncertain, it, it felt like, in 2020. Um, I kind of get, I will say, honestly, look, okay, I kind of get why people are a little toxic <laughs> towards the SEC, because, like, it all kind of started in the late 2000s. We really hyped up the SEC, SEC chant instead of chanting meta games. I hate it. I know y'all hate it. And I feel like people kind of take that. It's, it's, okay, so I feel like people take that almost as an attack on other conferences, and it's like, we're not really making that about anybody except us. It's more about... Go team, go team, not you suck. Well, it's you not your suck. team, and it's your conference, a difference. I, I think it's, but, I mean, it's okay. weird. It's weird. I, no one else point, does though, it. Yeah. No one else does it. Like, that's the thing. It's more It's more about regional pride than anything. Look, let's just, let's just be honest. In the Southeast, we don't have a whole lot going for us. College football is our thing. It's our thing. It's our one thing we can be proud of that we're better than anybody else at. And we're going to cling on to it. And we're going to, like, brag about it because it's what we produce. Well, it's, it's what we're it's good at. It's fine when, it's when our Alabama economies. does that or even Georgia. I just think it's cringe when you've got, like, clearly inferior teams uh, chanting these same things and, and sort of just, like, taking credit for what Alabama's been doing the last 15 it's years. It's not. Okay, but that's the thing. It's, it's not just Alabama. Four teams, since we started doing the SEC chant, four different SEC teams have won the national championship. Even if you took all of Alabama's championships away, the SEC would still have twice as many championships as any other conference, even if you just took them away. Hypothetically, those would go to other teams, though, like in the Big Ten or ACC. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like... If you remove Alabama, yeah, that's not from necessarily the equation, true. We beat, we beat Georgia for one. We beat LSU for one. I mean, dating back though, you look at the last fifteen years, only two teams in the SEC that aren't Bama have won, and those, both of those. I'm going back years. to when I'm going back to when we really started doing the chance and when it got popularized. See, and that's the thing. That's 06, the thing. I will 07. say, 06, actually, in the mid two thousands, I would agree. The SEC had a lot of depth at the very top, if you recall. LSU won a title. Florida won a title. Bama won a title, Auburn won a title, all within like a five-year span. Like, yes, I, I completely agree. That was an extremely dominant time for the SEC. But let's face it, dude, ever since Bama, like, you know, and Nick Saban really came to town and really kind of formed this evil empire, 
it, it feels like it's Bama, man. Like, I know LSU won it with Joe Burrow. I get what you're saying. You I know, would say since about 2011. Since yeah. about 2011, which is the past decade, it's been yeah. pretty Bama. much just Bama. Because I think, like, what, uh, LSU won one in 2019, but that's yeah. the only other SEC team at I'm this like, point. I'm sure Georgia probably would have won in 2017. But w- w- I guess what I'm saying is it, it, it feels like still, after all these years, it's Bama, dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Georgia's really good, like we've seen. But, like, there's only one Bama at the end of the day, regardless of conference. There's only one Bama, and uh, I don't know, man. I just I, I I do question even after Nick Saban retires. I think Bama's still gonna be really good after Saban retires, but I I just don't think it's gonna be quite to this level. And I think there's gonna be a. Pretty oh, no, big we're shake. definitely gonna take a step down. I know we're gonna take a step anyone down. Would. I think anyone it's just, would. Yeah. Anyone would. We're gonna take a step down. I I mean I, I still think we're gonna be very you'll, highly. You'll be at least as good as like Georgia is now, or like Ohio State is now. You know. You're, I just you're want to be, be relevant good. at the end of the year. If you we're would. relevant you at would. the end of the year, and we can get our hopes up for like a, a national championship push. Yeah. Plus, let's face it, playoffs are gonna be expanded by that point. They we would. don't have to have a perfect season. Yeah to be in this position. And we're still going to always recruit well. Even before we had Saban, we had top five recruiting classes. Yeah. So I, I we just can't put it together. But it, it'll, it will be different though. Cause I, I, I was thinking the shower this morning. I mean, I, I do my shower thoughts as you know, my, my, my deepest. Of course. Uh, Nick Saban is, is basically I, I, to call him the greatest coach of all time. Almost seems like an understatement just cause we're so, we, we overuse goat so often. At this point in time, like the the word "goat" is just thrown around willy nilly these days. I I think that that's an understatement. I I think he is he he is college football to an extent. Like this era, nothing compares. Literally nothing in the entirety of college football history compares to what Nick Saban has done in the last fifteen years at Alabama. I will say, I will say, I really think that there would be a lot of parity in the sport if simply Nick Saban didn't exist. Yes, like, there would be a ton more parity. Yes. Also, also, I want to point out, and the reason that's the case is there really isn't that much talent disparity between Alabama and the rest of the top yes. ten in recruiting. Yes. Like, okay, so for example, Georgia and Ohio State both have more five star recruits than yeah. Alabama does. Yeah. At the end of the day, it comes down to the machine that Nick Saban has built, 100%. has well oiled, and knows how to keep running. Yeah, it comes down to coaching. I mean, that, obviously, like I think a good way to put it is that you're not going to be able to win a championship without top ten talent. Mm-hmm. However, you can at least make the first round of the CFP without top ten talent. Yeah. Yeah. But having top ten talent doesn't guarantee elite level success. One hundred percent, and we see that with Texas, for example. I mean, for, for heaven's sakes, they have like top ten composite class and are abysmal. They lost to Kansas, abysmal. So, like, yeah, I, I, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not at all trying to. I mean, I, I, I do try to discredit Bam from time to time by calling it effortless. But the reason <laughs> it's effortless is because they have Saban. They have literally the greatest coach of all time in football history. Literally the greatest. Period. No questions asked. Okay, he makes it effortless for them in the sense that he's going to call the right plays. He's going to have the right personnel in there. He's going to get them prepared better than any other person on this entire planet possibly could. Okay. It is much easier to get the players to buy into the system when they know the system works, exactly. when they've seen the system work. Exactly. And so I, I just I, – and that's what I'm saying. I'm sure Bam will continue to have they'll, – they'll get a great coach, and I'm sure they'll make a huge hire after after Saban leaves. They'll continue to recruit extremely well, and they'll continue to probably make the playoffs, especially after it expands. They'll continue to be an SEC title contender and a national title contender, but it, so is Georgia right now. So is Ohio State right now. So is, I guess, Clemson up until this year. Right, it's it's different. What Bama does yeah. is different. They are in a league of their own. Full stop. 
All right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let you continue too much with that rat poison. <laughs> I will say when the at, at, as far as like the SEC talk goes, though, yeah. when the pro SEC stuff started back in the late 2000s, like I just talked about, I think it was significantly less me versus you than it is now. But now we're at the point where people are understandably sick of all the pro SEC stuff. So they find ways to discredit SEC success, and that contributes to the pro SEC people pushing back and getting defensive and kind of rubbing it in. I feel when defensive. We do achieve success. I feel like I'm on the defense, so it's just. This negative, <laughs> I mean, it's a negative feedback. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, we're sports fans after all. It's kind of hard to not get a little it heated here and there. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's I, I I get what you're saying though, and you know the, the conference talks and debate and whatnot. I feel like that's always been happening in the sport to an extent um i i just feel like these days with you know the, the commercials and the sec network and the versus the big 10 network right there's like all this money involved now and it it, it because of that it, it goes from being something that's like very personal and very like you know like organic to something that's kind of corporate in, in a way like i for me my biggest gripe is just espn doing this and like really shoving the sec down our throats is clearly in part because they want to sell the sec as a product you know, and I, well, I, we were already we were already wanting the product. To be fair, it's not like it's not like they're trying to push. Well, you were asking for, <laughs> but they're pushing it down my throat, dude. Like I can't eat. Well, I get that. I get you, that. You tune it. You're just like I was. But it's not. Like, manu- um, I'm saying it's not. It's not manufactured. It is organic in the sense that we were already kind of doing that amongst ourselves. It's just they gave us what we wanted. It's. I mean, this is being honest. I'm saying I would argue this all stems back to when the Big Ten created the Big Ten Network, and ESPN was pissed off by this, and they created the SEC Network. And to me, the rest is history. It's there's kind of this divide now you see between ESPN and non-ESPN networks. There's a reason Fox is always showing Big Twelve games and Big Ten games, and and rarely SEC matchups. Um, It's all it all comes down to to licensing and broadcast rights, and it it makes sense that they want to hype up the teams they can show. Um, whether there's truth to it or not, I don't know. But like, I, I, yes, obviously the SEC is great. Like, no one's denying that. Like, that's not the issue. It's, it's when you try to paint the SEC as this unstoppable behemoth, when in reality that unstoppable behemoth is just Bama. Everyone else can lose. Everyone in the Big Ten can lose. Everyone in all of college football can lose, except Bama. So well, I think the thing. here's the thing. If we took, I mean, look, if we took Bama out of the SEC, it would still be probably a top conference. Maybe probably not the best conference, no, but it would still be. Even if it there. was, the gap. Would, I, I'm, dude, I'm saying Bama is like an anomaly. They're like a black hole. They don't even make any sense. It's just this. It's such a statistical <laughs> outlier. All right, all, all right. That's enough of the rat no, poison. That's no, enough of the rat no, Randy, poison. It's true. It's true. And you know it's true. <laughs> Everyone knows it's true. I've been saying it all okay. year. I've been saying it my life. Oh, That's God. enough of the rat poison. We're underdogs versus Georgia. Anyway. <laughs> of course. Little old Bama, um. dude. Oh, my God. All right. On that note, Randy, shall we discuss then, well, the national title? <laughs> I am you, you more probably, than ready. I'm, you probably know I'm my thoughts, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I know your thoughts, Mr. Rat Poison. But um, No, I mean, we actually, I think it is kind of weird that we are the underdog. According to Vegas, Vegas it's yeah. Uga is favored by three. Which is a little weird. I mean, I feel like they are going. You, you mentioned this earlier. They're going off what Georgia did in the Michigan game, where it looked like they made specific changes that they needed to make, and they yeah. came out. They came out with a fire and a passion that we both said last week we didn't think they would be able to come yeah. out with. They looked yeah. confident after after what happened, and that kind of surprised me. And I think that does also circle back around to what we were talking about with having a month to prepare. Yeah. 
you know, that that gives you that edge when you have a talent gap. And Georgia does have a talent gap over Michigan. Yeah. I think Michigan has 14th in talent composite while Georgia is second. Yeah, they are. I mean, Michigan is very talented, but it is true. There is a talent gap. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what what surprised me about the Georgia Michigan game was was the quarterback play out of Georgia. I fully expected them to just kind of, you know, take it easy, run the ball, try and kill the clock, make it a low scoring defensive battle. But no, they were they were airing it deep from the get go, playing super aggressive, um, which I think caught Michigan off guard to an extent. I don't think Jim Hobra was expecting that, and it was just kind of a case of you know Georgia got the lead early and Michigan just. Michigan couldn't get anything going, and part of it, again, like, credit to Georgia where it's deserved, right? Because they did they did surprise us, but it did feel like to an extent that Michigan had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, a lot of drops, a lot of fumbles, a lot of turnovers. I'm not saying Michigan would have won, but it felt like the score, uh, part of the reason was the blowout because Michigan was just kind of unprepared. Is that fair to say? That 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 is fair to say. They looked weird. They just looked off. They yeah. didn't look like they were ready to bring their A game. They made mistakes. They didn't look sharp. It's like what were they doing this past month? Were yeah. they even practicing? Yeah, I, I uh, Georgia honestly. came out with the plan and they executed that plan. Yeah. But that also makes me not so high on Georgia, knock on wood, because because we talked about this with Kirby Smart is that yeah. the way Georgia plays is that they have one plan yep. and they go out and they execute that one plan. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't see Michigan punch them in the mouth. Their their one plan that they always try to execute just worked. Yeah, exactly. So that's the end of the story for that game. And I mean, all credit in the world to them for doing as good as they did, but it's still they don't look adaptable to the situation. Right. right. No, 100%. And I, I think that's the thing. It's like to, to me, the Michigan, especially Michigan secondary. Uh, just the whole game, man. They're leaving these Georgia receivers with plenty of spacing. They weren't really making any big plays. They weren't putting Stetson Bennett under too much pressure. And it's just to me, like if if I would like to see what happens when Bama plays Georgia, and if Bama from the get go just shuts them down, like shuts down their their offensive attack through the air, I would like to see Georgia try to adapt mid game and and go to a more you know maybe conservative running the ball style of game, uh, but. I don't think they will. Like, I think Georgia's just too stubborn and prideful to, to make these adjustments mid-game. And the fact of the matter is, you're going to have to against Bama. Like, everyone has to make adjustments against Bama because it's it's just, that's who they are, man. They're going to be I will say, the one thing that does kind of concern me is that right after we finally get our offensive line figured out, we have two players get injured and might be out for the Georgia game in, in the Cincinnati game. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, I have a question for you as a, as a neutral fan is who do you think this matchup means more to? <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. Uh, it's, I, I, we've talked about this before, Randy, and you know my thoughts on this. It's Georgia. And I hate to say it, but it, no, it's true. Like This game means absolutely everything to the Georgia fan base, to, to their alumnus, to, to the city of Athens, and to the state of Georgia itself. Um, I mean, they haven't won a national title in over 40 years uh, effectively no one alive today has seen it let's face it like you'd have to have been like 60 years old to have actually remembered that last title in 1980 um whereas with bama man like I, I i know i know this still means things to you but like come on like you, you can't deny it dude this means the world here's the thing okay so i will i will admit that a loss in the game would absolutely probably hurt georgia fan it would sting more to georgia fans than it would to alabama fans yeah because, I mean, I get it. We have championships to fall back on. It's still going to sting. It would be more annoying to us because 
I, I have a feeling of how Georgia fans are going to act oh, after for sure. this. For sure. And it's gonna be it's gonna get on my nerves. But I do feel like the fact that we won the SEC championship against them pretty recently would damper that a little bit. Yeah. But regardless, I just feel like what I've seen from neutral fans, note this is not me saying this, mm. is that I would rather see – I've seen Auburn fans, multiple Auburn fans say they would rather see us win it because we don't get more obnoxious with each new championship. That's true. But they've already seen how Georgia fans kind of acted mid-season. Yeah, yeah before, any when they were, before any titles. Yeah. <laughs> before any titles. So they're kind of like, I just would rather have Bama win it and keep Georgia fans kind of at bay. No, I, I, totally, <laughs> I totally get that. And, I mean, that's the thing. It's like if, if Bama wins again to an extent, yes – I will be in pain, but it's, Here's just, the thing. it's business as usual. You know what I mean? It's Here's nothing new. <laughs> I feel like as, as a, okay, I'm obviously a fan, a homegrown fan of a dynasty program. And the goals of a fan base as you become a dynasty changes and your perspective changes. It becomes about seeing how far you can take it, how, how much you can rewrite the record book, et cetera, et cetera. How much can we add to Saban's legacy and, you know, the games, the way we watch the games, it changes how we watch the games because it becomes more about how we win rather than re- whether or not we win. And Saban even went on a very famous rant right before the Iron Bowl about this. But at the end of the day, it's like we look at games in the context of are we playing good enough to win a championship this year? So, I mean, we're still very much invested in watching our games for that reason. It's just you can understand why someone would hear you say that and say, "Well, f off." No, let other people win, though. Like this is irrelevant. But, I don't, you know? but I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of my team. No, I'm a fan I get of the that. sport. I'm not just, just gonna let people win. It is unfortunate that Georgia fans are get good. frankly get good. kind of insufferable because I, I any year that a team not named Bama wins, I'm happy. Even when LSU, I hate the SEC. Even when LSU won in 2019, I was happy for them, dude. That was like a dream season. You know, out of nowhere they came and won it. Um, but it it it, it just feels like. I don't know. Like I, I, I'm kind of torn on this one because I really don't like Georgia, and I, I know what you're saying with with the fans being insufferable. I, I think they've been a bit arrogant this year, a bit overconfident. Um, whereas Bama fans, like it is what it is, right? I think you guys, you've been here before. Obviously, this is nothing new to you. Um, so, but you get mad at me every time I act like it's even possible that we might not play perfectly. Mm-hmm. You get mad at me though. Like, I do. I do. Like you say, "Come on, dude. You know you're gonna you know, win. You know you're gonna it's win. impossible." Yeah, you say that to me all the time. But then whenever you have Georgia fans that act like the way you would like me to well, act, it's to different because I'm not a Georgia fan. Like if 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 Lord, please, if Wisconsin was playing in the national title like this, okay, I'd be like full doomer. I'd be like freaking out. I'd be I'd be thinking of every worst case scenario. Right. Whereas like Georgia fans are like very, very like blindly and arrogantly like assuming they're going to win. Like, oh, we're, we're, the, we're the favorite in Vegas. We're going to win. We're getting our revenge. This is the year, boys. I, I, they I just, said it. Here's the thing. Georgia fans do say that I am not confident at all. They are. And I do think I do think they're being honest, earnest about that. But I think they there's something in the back of their head. I can just tell that. Yeah. They they want to be confident. They want to be confident, they but they to. know that they shouldn't be yeah. because they wouldn't be bringing up the confidence factor at all True. if that was the case. That's a good point. It would just be irrelevant. Yeah, and it's 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 a weird type of banter, like between you know, like 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 Ohio State fans or like Oklahoma fans, Clemson to an extent. You know, when you have these really 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 good programs and fans of these teams, it's like. They can talk all the trash they want in the world to like ninety nine percent of all teams, but when it's Bama specifically, it just it feels different to an extent because it's like you're going to be the underdog at the end of the day. I know Vegas has favored Bama, but like again, like just come on, folks. Let's, okay, let's, look, let's here's the thing. I'm a, I'll explain it this way: 
it's not about i don't think saban was trying to sell them on that they're the underdog he was trying to sell them on the fact that they were disrespected and that is a that's key fair. difference that is fair the key Bama was disrespected this year Exactly. We weren't disrespected. And that's easy to sell the players on. That's the key difference. You've you've been disrespected. Go out and prove the, the haters wrong. Mm-hmm. It actually is easy to sell them on that. Remember how nobody predicted we'd beat Georgia the first time? How everybody talked about how we lost to an unranked A&M. And it's like, he, he kind of like drove them to their head. Yeah, you are a Bama. Now go out and prove it. Go out and prove the people saying you're not wrong. Yeah. And I feel like sports fans have a chronic short-term memory, <laughs> which means that Saban, Saban will literally always have bulletin board material. That's it true. takes literally one just completely not perfect game to get all the bulletin board material he needs for the entire season. Dude, he's like he's like Michael Jordan. You hear those stories of like Michael Jordan like making up stories in his head practically of like people disrespecting him. And him using that, you know, taking it personally, kind of to to, to own them on the court. He, he's oh the, yeah, he's the Michael. He's the goat, dude. He's the Michael Jordan of, of college football coaching. You kind of have I mean, to get that edge for it. I mean, look, you instinct. don't have to convince the players that they're underdogs. They aren't that naive. You just have to convince them that someone somewhere randomly disrespected them. And there was a lot. I hate to say, it, dude, there's a lot of disrespect for Bama this year. And I, this is why I said heading into the championship game, like you guys are idiots for just assuming that George is going to win. And there, if you if you really think Georgia's going to win this game, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Against against Bama a second time. Okay, well, I'm first sorry. of all, it is hard to beat anybody twice. It's really hard to it beat is. anybody twice. If they actually have improved the way they did, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think for any, if anything, what's yeah. most important, even if Georgia loses, yeah. for them to not get blown out. Yeah, I think that's really what's most important. I feel like the first game kind of like lowered the expectations of them so much that all they want is to see themselves not get blown out and look competitive. I mean, that's, that's most teams in these playoffs, it seems. There are so many blowouts these days in the college football playoff history. Um, but that said, should we should we discuss the game itself and predictions, I suppose you could say? I mean, obviously, I'm very emotional right now. I, maybe you should take the floor on this one. It's way too much rat poison for me to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to give any extensive predictions. Really? Um, I will say the ESPN matchup predictor has Georgia at a 59% chance to win and wow. us at a at a 41% chance to win. Wow. The Georgia spread is Georgia minus three. That's uh, that's something. Um, uh, it's going to depend on – it's really going to depend 100% on our offensive line. I think our defense will be fine. I don't I, think they're going to have too many new notches in their offensive playbook. I think our defense will do what they need to do. Yeah. And, but it's going to come down to our offensive line. Give Bryce time, and we can throw on Georgia's secondary, think, and we know we can do that. I think they'll get it. I thought Bama's O-line looked just fine against Cincy. Um, they didn't have too much of an issue. Right are, their defensive line is undersized. I That's get the that. problem. They're, I get, I get that. They're the undersized versus compared to it Georgia's. It feels like you've been hyping up Bama's O-line like sucking for so long, yet I feel like I've never seen this. Maybe I just haven't watched enough Bama. You, you, you didn't watch the Auburn game, I guess. I, I actually did not. I was busy watching Wisconsin lose um, to, to if you go back, yeah. Okay, if you just go back and watch the 30-minute cut of the Auburn game, Bryce Young got sacked seven times, and he never had time to throw. It was constantly running for his life the whole game. And we went from giving up seven sacks in the Auburn game to zero sacks with a retooled offensive line in the Georgia game in one week. Retooled. There you go. Like they completely shuffled the entire line around. I told you in the in the uh, episode right after that we had, I think, two or three offensive linemen whose names I didn't even recognize. Yeah. So they had to shuffle some pe- pieces around. I, I guess for me, like they figured it out against Georgia one time. I'm sure there's nothing Georgia can really do between now and then to somehow throw them off guard. At least as far as the offensive line goes. 
Um, I, I think for me, this game, I, and I, I'll try to be reasonable here because I realize a lot of the stuff I say sounds, you know, illogical. I think the biggest thing for Georgia is going to be Stetson Bennett. I think what he did against Michigan is good enough to beat Bama, but will he do it again? I don't think he will. But if he does, they'll have a shot. I think just the biggest difference is Michigan's secondary played pretty poorly, to be honest. They played quite poorly, in fact. Whereas How good I, is Michigan's secondary usually? I mean, you're a Big Ten fan. Uh, it's average-ish. Not that bad. I mean, they played well against Ohio State. They pretty much shut down their passing game, at least in the second Average half. for Michigan standards or average as in, like, actually an average secondary? Oh, uh, average for, like, a top-ten team. It, it, obviously good, right? But uh, not good enough to where, like, when you play a team like Georgia and they have that talent gap, they're going to exploit it, is what I'm saying. Um, I got you. I got you know, you. Like, so basically, compared to an average college football team, you would just consider them, if you just blindly looked at how good their secondary was yeah. in secondary rankings of college football, they'd be slightly above average. Yeah, like a 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 type of okay. depth situation. Whereas, whereas Bama is, you know Bama's going to be prepared, man. You know their uh, secondary Okay, here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know our, they secondary, our secondary is probably the weakest part of our defense, too. Really? But, I mean, I'd give them like a 7, 8 out of 10. <laughs> I'd give our linebackers a 10 out of 10 and our defensive line probably an 8 or 9. And so I guess so. in that regard, I mean, I, I think the only area where I think Georgia can beat Bama is in those one-on-one matchups. We're talking downfield, you know, where it's Georgia's best wide receiver versus Alabama's best DB. If if Georgia can find the separation and, and make the plays and come down with the ball, then yeah, I mean, they, they would have a shot to put up points against Bama. Uh, but that that requires so many moving parts. That requires their offensive line being able to keep Bama in check. That requires Stetson Bennett to be accurate and not get flustered throughout the game, especially if they fall behind early. That requires the wide receivers to get that separation and to catch down the balls. And, and well, here's the problem: drops. is their wide receivers, their receivers, they've had a lot of receivers out. I think they have some still out for the season. Their yeah. receiving core has been depleted, and their current receivers are just. They're kind of like, I guess, the Michigan secondary of wide receivers for <laughs> sure. top teams. Sure. They're, they're, I mean, they're above average still. They, sure. they have potential, but they're yeah. just, they can't get separation. Yeah. And then you have a quarterback that's not exactly able to make dime throws. It's just there's so many different components that need to go perfectly for Georgia again in order to just compete with Bama. Like that's 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 why it's so tough, man. It's like there's so many, you know, and that's part of them not having that adaptable scheme. Yeah. They can't change on the fly. They can't change the game plan. They can't adjust. Yeah. One thing I really liked about Pete Golding, what I saw was that we made such quick adjustments. We literally made adjustments on the first drive. Yeah, you did. Midway through the first drive. It took yeah. three quarters of the first drive of the game instead of half the game to adjust. Yeah, it looked like Cincy there was, there was actually doing okay there on that first drive. They were like they, okay, so that's what happened yeah. was they, on their third down conversion, I remember they tried to run the same exact play that got them a 15-yard gain earlier in the drive, yeah. and then we stopped them for a loss of three because yeah. we immediately sniffed it out. Yeah, 100%. It showed that we, we quickly made adjustments. And if we're able to do that same thing against Georgia when they try to probably pull some things out of their playbook, then yeah. I really do like our chances. 100%, man. That's why that's why Bama's so tough to beat, man. They're just they're going to be prepared. Like at the end of the day, the players are prepared and the coaches are prepared for just about anything. Like I don't I don't know what Georgia can do. Uh, you know, take over the back pocket and surprise to surprise Bama. I mean, if anything, Georgia almost maybe made a mistake by like showing too much of this like air raid style offense where they're just chucking it deep downfield, really, you know, pass heavy offense against Michigan. Cuz Bama's going to be prepared for it now. They they have all this film to look at and all this tape. They'll be prepared. Like, there's nothing Georgia can do to stop him. That is true. I mean, heck, heck, we showed that we're able to run the ball very, very effectively, though, against Cincinnati. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. 
And it was a really consistent. It was a really consistent run game. It wasn't like Bama was like making those standard like you know Bama usually scores off like eighty yard touchdowns where there's like a guy breaks free. Yeah, no, I know what you like mean. That. We didn't have that breakout run. We did consistent. not have those breakout runs. You guys are getting like seventy usually, yards every single down. It felt like. Okay, so usually our run game does like get five seven yards every run, but then eventually breaks out like a 70, 80 yard run yeah. somewhere randomly. Yeah. We never had that breakout run, but yeah. we still just had a consistent, it's effective run yeah, game. Still winning games, yeah, yeah. And part of it is Brian Robinson's hamstring; it's healed for the most part, but it's still not probably a hundred percent. But it was he had a month to let it heal. And credit to Cincy, by the way, credit to Cincy. Cincy didn't give up, dude. I'm telling you, like I said. They didn't give up. Will Georgia give up in this game? That's the question for me because I, I know Bama's winning. Certainly not. The only Surely question not. for me is, is it going to be by 21? Is it going to be by 14? Is it going to be by 28? And I think the biggest <laughs> poison. Thing, no, and I think this actually comes down to really the fourth quarter. Does Bama lay off the gas? You know what I mean? Do they take their foot off the pedal? If, if Bama does choose to put in their, their second string, held maybe in third string, late in the game, then yeah, I could see Georgia coming back and you know keep making it like a 17 We're not going to do that. Why, why would we save our starters? This is the, literally the last game of the season. We're going to be all hands no, on you, deck. You, I mean. want, you want the, you know, maybe if you want the, the second, you know, the second string guys, your freshmen perhaps, just to get some playtime. That is play true. We do like to get some experience yeah, in I these situations. If, if Bama's up by 35 in the fourth quarter, I don't think Saban's going to be starting his, his, his first string. I do think that is a key factor, is the fact that all of our players for the most part, have played in championship game yeah. situations before. Yeah. They, they are, they're not going to be nervous. So I remember watching the opening kickoff for the Alabama versus Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our players look calm, yep. cool, collected. They're like, okay, this is business. we got to do yep. this. Let's yep. do our job. This yep. is business. That's what they looked at. While the Cincinnati players were all jumping jacks, Throwing the, raving I mean, their towels I around, screaming, oh, oh, oh. That's what, that's, and, you know, it's just, And they were getting so hyped. It yeah. is like, here's the thing. You got to be, obviously, you're going to be hyped for the playoff yeah. game. You don't want to be. But at the end of the day, nervous. like, you have to bring it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Nerves, nerves can be good and bad, but oftentimes they're bad for you, I find. You know what I mean? I and, think in those, if, if, if the other team is stoic because they've been there before, then it's bad, no matter what, Yeah. To no matter to what extent it is. Yeah, I just I think Bama like the business. That's a good way to put it. I think Bama's going to enter this game saying, "Okay, just sixty minutes, take care of business, do your job, execute, and we'll we'll probably win." Whereas I think Georgia is probably going to come in a little bit, a little. They will act like they aren't, but they're going to be emotional. At the end of the day, like Georgia's going to be nervous because to them again, so much more is on the line. It, it feels like I don't think they're going to be hyped as much as they're going to be nervous. I yeah. think. To be hyped, they would have to not have expected to be in this situation. Right, like, Cincy, been, like Cincy, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be nervous because, like, let's face it, it's going to be so embarrassing for them if they lose. Yeah. They know they're going to be – it's going to become a meme. Yes. If they lose. And that's the worst type of nerves, dude. It's not like – it's not nerves of, like, oh, I, I hope we win. It's nerves of, oh, I hope we don't lose. Like, that's, exactly. that's the difference. And, uh, man, if I had to put a number on it, honest, honest to God, gun to my head right now. I'd go Bama fifty-two, Georgia seventeen. I'm like, I'm not. I'm making I'm just, sure. I am. I am. I'm making sure Nick Saban is not a listener to the Jim podcast. That's, that's fine, man. Fifty-two to seventeen. Book it right now. I think Cincy did a better job <laughs> against Bama than Georgia will. And it, it, again, no discredit to Georgia. If Bama didn't exist, Georgia would probably be the national title champion. Because I think I think they'd probably beat Cincy by a hair. Um, but Bama exists, and like I said, dude, it's Bama. They're an anomaly. No one can beat them. So, yeah, 52-17 sounds about right. Do you have a final score prediction, Randy? I'm not. No, I am not giving no. a final score prediction, okay. and I'm not saying who I think wins, but I'm just pointing out again, we are the underdog. <laughs> I love it.
All right, well, uh, title game's coming up then, this uh, coming Monday. Unfortunately, that's on a Monday night, isn't it? Isn't that kind of sad? This is it is. I wish it was on a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but regardless, folks, um, I'm looking forward to it at the end of the day. I mean, it's the last last little game of the year, so you have to enjoy it, you know, for what it is. Um, hoping I didn't scare her enough my hot takes. Hopefully, Randy, you still respect <laughs> me uh, after that. But uh, that said, thank you all so much for tuning in today. You know, obviously, throughout this entire season, it's been fun doing this, folks. And I think we still have at least one more episode, right? Next week, Randy, we, we do. On... We will do. We will do like a little bit of a season recap episode. We'll probably yeah. do some off-season episodes, but it's probably not going to be the same. Like, Sparingly, yeah. we're gonna, we're going to figure something out. We we've talked behind the scenes about some plans we have. Yeah, yeah. For what we're going to do during the off-season and for next season, we'll, we'll be prepared like battle. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Until then, folks, enjoy the national championship. And I hate to say this, but. Roll Tide. Um, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs>